Last week, we introduced the subject of encouragement, and I've been really encouraged by all the encouraging responses that I received about the topic. So thanks for your encouragement. I want to begin this week by telling you about the passing away of a professor, a mentor, and a friend of mine, who was during one period of my life an immensely encouraging voice, and who influenced me theologically more than any other single person. Tom Albright died on Friday at 90, having been a professor at, among other places, Abilene Christian University when I was a student there. Tom taught me, was the chairman of my master's thesis committee, and in addition to writing a blurb for my book on the Trinity and Churches of Christ, was responsible for its subtitle. Tom was always very encouraging to me and is still the most significant theological voice in my own thoughts about Christianity. Every person thinking about a life of full-time ministry needs a Tom Albright in their lives, and I'm so grateful to God that I had him. This week I want to turn from the topic of encouragement to speaking about one of the great encouragers in the Bible, Paul's close friend and companion, Barnabas. You know, 34 times in the New Testament, Barnabas is mentioned in four different biblical books, which I have to admit surprised me when I looked at it this week. When we think of Paul's companions, we typically think of Timothy or Silas or Titus or Luke. But because Paul and Barnabas did have some times when their relationship was a little rocky, and because Paul doesn't write any of his letters in association with Barnabas, and because Barnabas was much more an equal of Paul's and not a younger protege, we don't automatically think of Barnabas as being Paul's close companion. But he was, as close as anyone. So he's mentioned more often than any other of Paul's companions. In fact, I think it's safe to say that if there'd been no Barnabas, there would have been no Paul. Barnabas was more responsible for Paul's ministry as an apostle and missionary than anyone else. And my impression is that God early on gave Paul Barnabas, almost as his personal encourager, right when Paul needed him most. We first meet Barnabas in Acts chapter 4, verse 36, when the text tells us that he was a Levite who sold some land that he owned and then gave the proceeds to the apostles. But this is interesting because in Israel, the Levites couldn't own land. So either this rule wasn't being followed, or it was his wife's property, or he owned land in Cyprus where he was from, or some other special circumstance. But at any rate, we find someone for whom land ownership was a bit unique, selling this land in order to donate funds to the church's work. We also learn here that Barnabas had two names, Joseph, given to him by his parents, and Barnabas. And that, that name Barnabas actually means son of encouragement. What is interesting is that the name son of encouragement wasn't given to Barnabas because he was the son of someone named Nabas, which means encouragement, with Bar on the front of it, meaning son of Barnabas. The text actually says that this name was given to him by the apostles because of his character. Encouragement was apparently so much part of Barnabas's nature and behavior that it literally became his identifying mark. And the rest of what we hear about the man totally backs this up. For example, in Acts chapter 9, verse 27, very soon after Paul's conversion to Christ, when all the disciples and apostles were afraid, scared to death, to spend any time with Paul because of his reputation for chasing Christians down in order to arrest them, 
Barnabas was the one not afraid to meet him. In fact, he took Paul and introduced him to the apostles, convincing them that they should accept Paul as a brother. Just think about how slow Paul's ministry might have developed if Barnabas had not been willing to give Paul the benefit of the doubt. Then, in Acts chapter 11, verses 22 and 23, Barnabas is sent by the apostles to Antioch to check out the stories they'd heard about people coming to Christ there. And no doubt they sent Barnabas because the apostles had high hopes that he would do exactly what he did when he arrived, which was encourage the new Christians there. But Barnabas wasn't content with what he was able to do by himself in Antioch. And so in a stroke of absolute encouraging genius, he went to Tarsus to find Paul to encourage him, no doubt. And then it's through Barnabas' encouragement that Paul begins his teaching ministry in Antioch as Barnabas brings Paul back from Tarsus uh, with him to Antioch to teach and preach. Now, by the way, why is Paul at this point in Tarsus? The last time we saw him, he was in Jerusalem, being introduced by Barnabas to the apostles. But there had been a problem in Jerusalem when some Greek-speaking Jews tried to kill Paul. They must have seen him as a traitor after his dramatic conversion that took place while he was trying to arrest Christians. So with the advice of the Christians in Jerusalem, in order to avoid being killed, Paul had gone back to his hometown, to Tarsus, no doubt a bit shaken for because of the events that had taken place. So Jerusalem was the occasion then of Paul's first experience with teaching and preaching as he witnessed to the Jews there about his conversion, but it didn't go very well. I've had some sermons not go well as not go as well as I liked, but no one ever tried to kill me afterward, at least not that I know of. You can imagine that when Barnabas went to Tarsus to get Paul and tried to bring him back to Antioch, that Paul was not at all ready for that. In fact, you can almost hear Paul saying, Are you kidding, Barnabas? In Jerusalem, they tried to kill me for doing what you want me to do in Antioch. But Barnabas was able to convince and encourage Paul in his teaching and ministry and to get Paul to go with him back to Antioch, with Barnabas teaching alongside Paul for about a year there. I think it's quite reasonable to think of Barnabas as Paul's first real mentor when it comes to teaching and preaching. The son of encouragement was really living up to his name when it came to Paul's ministry. Well, we see in Acts several other incidents that testify to Barnabas' character. For example, in Acts chapter 11, verse 30, Barnabas is sent to Jerusalem along with Paul, being in charge of a financial gift for the church in Jerusalem that was facing famine. It had to have been encouraging to the brothers and sisters experiencing famine for Barnabas and Paul to bring this gift. Then in Acts chapter 13, verse 3, Barnabas is sent by the Holy Spirit into the mission field along with Paul, where he was no doubt a complimentary and encouraging presence alongside Paul. In fact, in an incident in Acts chapter 13, verses 9 through 11, Paul ends up saying to Elimas, a local magician, and, and you just listen to these words, that this message of Paul's is not as encouraging as perhaps we might expect from Barnabas's lips. Paul says, You son of the devil, you enemy of all unrighteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind for a time. Now, Paul spoke these words by the Holy Spirit, so I don't have a problem with them. 
but they were not the most encouraging words I've ever heard. Maybe Barnabas was made Paul's companion in order to, on occasion, soften the tone of the one who had become the apostle to the Gentiles. Or maybe Barnabas the encourager was there just to encourage Paul at the most difficult times. Like in Acts chapter 14, verses 19 and 20, in Lystra, when Paul is stoned by some Jews that were hunting him down, he's then dragged out of the city and left for dead. And then the next day, the text says that he and Barnabas went to Derby. What was that journey like? The day before, the Jews left Paul for dead outside the city. What must Barnabas have been to Paul as he nursed him and encouraged him and prayed for him on their continued journey? Was Barnabas not the one who kept Paul going? Well, in Acts 14, 22 through 28, the text says that Paul and Barnabas encouraged the churches that they founded, appointed elders, then reported on their activities in an encouraging message to the church in Antioch when they returned. And all of this happened because Barnabas had given Paul the benefit of the doubt, encouraging him to become the teacher, preacher, and apostle that Paul became. Not that everything was always perfect between Paul and Barnabas, by the way. There's one in, once in Antioch when Barnabas is rebuked by Paul for not eating with the Gentiles. Racial prejudice was something early Christians had to work to overcome, and Paul and Barnabas had a problem with it. And there's, then there's the famous incident in Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 39, when Barnabas wanted to take John Mark on their next missionary journey to encourage the churches that they had founded. And Paul refused because John Mark had earlier left them in the middle of a missionary trip. I'll bet Barnabas was thinking as he's talking to Paul about taking John Mark, Paul, have you learned nothing from me about how to encourage people? When you left Jerusalem after teaching for a bit, did I just ignore you up in Tarsus? No, I was willing to come and encourage you and bring you to Antioch and to give you another opportunity to teach and preach, and we've done great things, but now you can't give John Mark another opportunity? Well, eventually, Paul seems to have decided that Barnabas was right about John Mark. Because as it turns out, Mark later becomes a close follower of Paul's. Barnabas had not only argued with Paul about this, but ends up splitting up from Paul over the disagreement and taking John Mark with him to Cyprus, where Barnabas was from, and apparently encouraged and mentored Mark to the point that he not only again accompanied Paul, but ended up writing one of the Gospels in our New Testament. Where would we be if Barnabas had not encouraged John Mark, and if Mark had not assisted Paul, and had not written what most scholars take to be the first of the Gospels to be put into writing. So Paul encouraged millions through his ministry and then his letters, and Mark encouraged millions through his ministry and then his Gospel, and it was Barnabas who enabled both of them to be who they were because of his gift of encouragement. Barnabas clearly saw the best in people, whether it was a Jewish rabbi who came to Christ after participating in the arrest and murder of Christians, or it was a young man who bolted during trying times in the middle of a missionary journey. And he apparently, with great intention, devoted himself to these others, helping them along through some of their most trying times, enabling them to overcome huge obstacles in order for them to effectively to serve Christ. The question is, 
What are our attitudes toward others? What potential do we see in them? What role can we play in helping them to become the servants of Christ that God wants them to be? You know, in the last couple of years, one of the most encouraging people I've seen at work in our church is Randy Tyson. Randy, I don't know all the factors that encourage you to take on the role that you have in the kingdom, but I sure am excited about it. I think you have the gift of encouragement, and I want to commend you for encouraging and discipling others. Please keep it up. What I love is that you seem to have a heart for helping others along their journey and are willingly, willing intentionally to invest yourself in the lives of others. God is using you, so please don't stop. And if things ever don't go just as you want, don't become discouraged because God is using you. And Randy's not the only encouraging sister or brother that I find to be such a blessing in the Lord. Jim Johnson, thank you for your encouragement. Gary Zorn, thank you for your encouragement. Elders, Steve, Miles, Kevin, Francis, thank you for your encouragement. And I could go on, although I'll get myself in trouble by failing to mention some, I'm sure. Someone important whom I'll probably forget. Muriel, thank you for being an encouragement to Robin. Gary and Hope, thank you for encouraging Megan. You know, I mentioned at the beginning Tom Albright, who was such an encourager for me and, and many like me. I've been blessed by so many who uttered a kind, thoughtful word at just the right time. I remember being in Tom's Old Testament theology class. And for class one day, he wanted the class to hear the content of an article on biblical theology that was found in the Interpreter's Bible, written by Christer Stendhal, who had been a, a professor of Tom's at Harvard. And, and Tom asked me in class, without warning, if I would be the one to read the article to the class. I don't remember how long it took to read the article, maybe a half an hour. So for however, however long it took, I, I read an encyclopedia article to a class of graduate students who had to be thinking that this was not the most stimulating exercise that they'd ever experienced. But I was, of course, flattered that Tom had asked me to be the one to read. And at the end, when I was finished, before I sat down, he said in front of the class, you read that very well. That incident and those words may not seem like much. But at the time, being heard by someone who wondered what kind of life it might be to which the Lord was calling them, they were perfect. It was just the encouragement I needed to make me think that the Lord could use even me. What encouraging role can you play in the life of another? Who is it that needs you to say just the right thing or offer just the right opportunity in order to open up for them a whole new world of growth and service to Christ? Or maybe it's your encouraging word that will just get them, get, uh, get them by through one crisis on their way to another where you'll have to pick them up again. As we saw last week, it is the Father's nature and the Son's and the spirits to be encouraging. Let's follow them, and let's follow their servant Barnabas in being great encouragers of others. Now, an assignment. This week, if you can think of a time when you've been encouraged, I want you to send an email or write a note to the person who encouraged you. Not only will you be acknowledging the one who encouraged you, but you will in the process be an encourager yourself. In this case, encouraging the encourager who encouraged you. God bless you. Have a great rest of the week.